Good evening. Let's get right into it. Galatians chapter 2, please. Galatians chapter 2. Once you find Galatians 2, go to verse 11. All right, Galatians chapter 2, we'll start in verse 11 and read down through verse 14. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Have you ever been in a situation where, where you witness a, a public confrontation? Uh, one that's pretty epic, it's pretty, like some people sit there with popcorn, like, but other people feel the intensity of the moment and they just don't like conflict and it becomes very embarrassing, it becomes very uncomfortable when you uh, observe or you're close in proximity to some sort of, of, of public confrontation. And you, you might feel uncomfortable, you might feel embarrassed, to see that kind of ugly in public somewhere, but imagine it even more so if it happens in church. You know, um, somebody's got a disagreement and they're going to voice it, and a public confrontation ensues. It can create a lot of uncomfortableness in the moment. And generally speaking, in the life of a church, we ought to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's what Ephesians teaches us. And we ought to do that. Uh, But that's not to say that it's always wrong for the unity of the Spirit to be kept by needing to contend for something. Sometimes there could be real reason uh, to have confrontation in order to protect something that is of more value. And... In today's passage, that is exactly what happened. We read here that Paul said, When Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. He said in verse 14, When I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter, Before them all. What happens in this passage is a confrontation of the Apostle Peter. Now, we were in verses 1 through 10 last week, and we saw that Paul was defending the gospel. And of course, you remember that Paul is defending himself. He's also defending the gospel to these Galatian believers who are starting to believe these Judaizers who came in and started teaching a false gospel, that they needed to add circumcision and the works of the law to faith in Christ in order for Gentile believers to be saved. And these Judaizers dogged the steps of Paul everywhere he went. He dealt with the issue uh, in Jerusalem. In fact, the church ratified the will of God, and they sent Paul, and they sent 
Titus and, and they sent uh, Barnabas and they sent them back to Jerusalem to deal with this very issue of people who were teaching that they had to be circumcised Gentiles in order to be saved. Well, so Paul is making a defense of himself. He's making a defense of the gospel more so in these first two chapters of Galatians. And here's just another uh, another element of Paul uh, making reference to the fact that he had to defend the gospel and always had to. Now, before we get into examining this confrontation between Paul and Peter, I want us to remember, first of all, that whatever it was, it ended well between Paul and Peter. They were not enemies after this. The two men involved ended up right with each other, certainly. Peter, who was the one confronted, uh, obviously held Paul, who was the one who did the confronting, in the highest regard. You can see in 2 Peter chapter 3, Uh, what Peter says concerning Paul. He's a dearly beloved brother. And we don't need to take the time to look at that, but but we understand that this confrontation did not end any kind of relationship uh, between them. It ended well. The second thing we need to remember is that the gospel, or the doctrine of justification by faith, was something that was being defended. It was something that was being protected. The most important thing... And we have to remember this story is being told to the Galatian believers in order to make a point. Why is Paul bringing this issue up? Well, he's telling this story to the Galatian believers to make a point because Paul had been arguing that, number one, his gospel that he had been preaching was not something that he learned from other apostles, Peter included, But it was something that had been given to him by revelation of God. He said in chapter 1, in verse 11, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. And so he goes on to talk about how it was received of the Lord and not gotten from uh, the apostles themselves. In fact, he didn't even have any connection with them. He never saw them. Secondly, he's been arguing that he didn't need the approval of the other apostles before he could preach the gospel because it was already authorized by Christ. And we read about that in chapter 2 in the first 10 verses that Paul went up by revelation and he didn't go to seek their approval. In fact, he was going to see if they measured up because he'd been preaching this gospel for, for over 10 years, 14 years at least. Planting churches, preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, he's been arguing these points, and now, to further emphasize that point, Paul shows how, at some point in time, he even had to confront Peter himself to further demonstrate defending or contending for the true gospel of grace through faith is of the utmost importance. He said in chapter 1 in verse 8, But though we or any angel from heaven or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Like even the apostles, even Peter, if there's someone who's preaching a different gospel than what I've preached unto you, it's a false gospel, and let him be accursed. And so he's demonstrating defending or contending for the true gospel, which is grace through faith, is of the utmost importance. And so that's still where we're at 
in this narrative. But I want us to look at these particular verses. And in verses 1 through 10, we saw Paul's defense of the gospel. In verses 11 through 14, we see Paul's confrontation of Peter. Let's read these verses again. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And, uh, and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Let's pray, and then we'll break these verses down, okay? Lord, I pray that you just help us with the Scriptures tonight, and as we make application from them, Lord, I pray that we would be not forgetful hearers, Lord, that we would be doers of the Word of God tonight, and I just pray that you'd use it uh, to accomplish your purpose in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, notice Peter's problems. Verse 11, Peter's problems. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Now, we see a few words, a couple of words in here at least, that, that should draw our attention. First of all, understand the word withstood. Paul said, when Peter was come to Antioch. Now, the story before, Paul was down in Jerusalem, and they had the Jerusalem council, right? And we, talk, and we talked about that last week, and Paul tells this story of what happened at the Jerusalem council. Well, you get to verse 11, and the scene shifts, and he says, but when Peter was come to Antioch, which was Paul's home church, and he says, when Peter came to Antioch, I withstood him to the face. The word withstood means to oppose, and it means to resist. So there's definitely odds. They are definitely at odds here. And Paul says, I opposed Peter. We were in disagreement. There was resistance here. And the reason I did this is because he was to be blamed. The word blamed here means to find fault with. It means condemned. So Paul says there was needed to be resistance and there was opposition here because there was a real fault at, at going on, condemnation going on right here. Now, what kind of problems do we know from the Word of God that Peter might have had? Well, first of all, we can say that Peter had some personality problems. Don't we all? Okay, we'll get to some of that maybe in a minute. But Peter had some personality problems. In John chapter 1, flip over there, John chapter 1, and look at verse 42. The Bible says, and brought him to Jesus. So let's just skip back just a little bit. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. You say, well, pastor, why did you bring that verse up? That when Peter was introduced to Jesus, that Jesus said, I'm going to call you Cephas. And the meaning of that means a stone. 
Well, I bring it up because we have maybe some ideas in our mind of, of what that might mean. It means a small stone, a pebble, that kind of thing. But I almost kind of wonder, judging by what we know of Peter's personality, that it might have a, a, a little bit of a connotation to some stubbornness and some hard-headedness about Peter. Peter was kind of that guy, wasn't he? Who had a little bit of stubbornness to him, maybe some hard-headedness to him. And, and, and his personality uh, was, was identified by Jesus immediately. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, look at verse 21. In verse 21, the Bible says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now notice the wording here. So Jesus is teaching his disciples, and Jesus is telling them about what's coming in the future. He's going to be persecuted. He's even going to be put to death by the chief priests and the rulers. And the Bible says that Peter took him. The meaning of that word is sort of, it has this kind of a connotation. It has this meaning or this, this sense about it that you're standing there talking to somebody and you put your arm around them because you're in a crowd and you pull them away from the crowd over here. And I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to tell you something now away from the crowd. And then the Bible says that he rebuked him. And it has the meaning and the connotation of basically grabbing him by the shoulders and telling him, this is what's what. And he said, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not happen unto thee. Oh, he was so certain, wasn't he? So Peter takes the Lord Jesus Christ and he pulls him away from the crowd and he says, Lord, this is not happening to you. In fact, you ought to be really careful about what you say around these other guys because they're not as strong as me. They can't handle this kind of stuff. And I'm going to teach you a lesson here, Lord, about how these people respond. What do you think of that? How do you, how do you, how do you, take, how do, you do that with the Lord? Right? Because well, he's a little bit hard-headed. He's a little bit stubborn. He kind of knows it all. He thinks he knows it all. I think you can see, identify a little bit of some personality issues in events like this in the Scriptures. Let me give you another one. You know Peter. Peter seemed to be somewhat of a, an extreme person, maybe given to extremes, uh, maybe a little bit overconfident. Uh, demonstrated in that. If you skip down a little bit farther in, in uh, or skip a couple chapters over in the book of Matthew, rather, to Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, Matthew 26, verse 31, Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, 
For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. But Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Man, it gets better. Jesus says, you're all going to be offended by me this night. And Peter, in his extreme and overconfident nature, says to the Lord, he says, though all men shall be offended by thee, yet not I, I won't be. And what is he doing? That really self-assertive I right there compared to all others. You understand what I'm saying? Peter's saying he, this, it's a pretty self-confident uh, uh, thing that he's trying to say as he's comparing himself to all the others. They might, Lord, but I won't. And Jesus says, no, Peter, you're going you're gonna to deny me three times. And even after that, Peter still says, I'll die with you, Lord. Even if I did die with you, I'm never going to deny you. Talk about overconfidence. Talk about self-confidence. A little bit of a personality problem. Not only did he have a personality problem, but Peter had a little bit of a predisposition problem. Go to Acts chapter 10 with me. Now just stay with me because I'm going to make a point from our text here in just a minute. Acts chapter 10. In verse 9, here Peter has a predisposition problem. And he, the Bible says in verse 9, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And they became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou or common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven." Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Now notice what's happening here. The Lord is trying to teach Peter something, that the gospel is going to go to the Gentiles, that they're going to be saved just the same way by grace through faith, and whatever God has cleansed, you should not call common. And why is God teaching Simon Peter this issue? Because he's a Jew, and Jews looked at Gentiles as less than, looked at them as inferior, and the Jews were God's chosen people, and the Jews had no dealings with the Gentiles, and so on. And so God's trying to bring about a change 
and his mindset and a change in his thinking concerning the gospel. And the Bible here indicates that Peter was resistant to change. In fact, he said, not so, Lord. He told God, no. God, he told him no. Imagine being that way with the Lord. And in our minds, we would never, ever be that way with the Lord, would we? Never, ever. But before we find too much fault with Peter, we need to realize these tendencies are not exclusive to Peter. When Peter said, although all shall be offended, yet will not I... That I is a very self-assertive I as he's comparing himself with other people. And you know what? We do the exact same thing. We do the exact same thing. We do the same thing when we think too highly of ourselves and our own spirituality. Because sometimes we can feel we, we, we're, we're pretty special. I know and the spiritual growth I've gained in my life and these levels that I've gone to, and I'm pretty special. But the Bible says in Proverbs 28, 26, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. In other words, there's not anybody who's not immune to the potential. It's very easy to look at others and compare ourselves amongst ourselves. That's what Peter was doing. Even though everybody else is going to be offended, I won't, Lord. It's easy to look at others and compare ourselves amongst ourselves. Maybe we see an indiscretion by somebody else. We know something about somebody else and we think to ourselves, how could they do that? Or I would never do something like that. Do we not do the same thing with God when we've been warned in scriptures of the deceitfulness of sin and of our own hearts, and yet we think that we are spiritual and we think that we are strong? When Jeremiah 17, 9 says that our own heart is so deceitful that we don't even understand it. And it's desperately wicked. We are not wise and we are not spiritual when we come to the point of saying within ourselves that there's something we are not capable of. Our strength cannot be in ourselves. It must be in the Lord. And it comes with a healthy fear of overconfidence, a healthy dislike of personality flaws. It comes with the dependence on the Lord is what it comes with. Peter had a personality problem. He had a predisposition problem. He thought he knew when the Lord was trying to teach him something. But I want you to go back to our text because here's the point that I want to make. In our text, we find that Peter had a peer pressure problem. In Galatians 2, in verse 12, the Bible says, For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, 
He withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Peter had a peer pressure problem. Peter was one who was influenced by the, quote, influential. The big name, the popular, the powerful, the political, the whatever, because of his reputation and because of his own name, Peter was influenced by the influential. And that unstable personality of Peter was affected to the point that Peter started to compromise the very thing that he said he believed. The Bible says he feared those of the circumcision. Peter apparently relapsed into an old mindset and an old way of thinking concerning Jews and Gentiles, and it affected his behavior. Notice what happened here. In verse 12, the Bible says, For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. So these, uh, you know, these Judaizers who were from Jerusalem, these who were of the circumcision, these Jews, before they came into the picture and before they showed up in Antioch, when it was just Peter and Paul and Barnabas and Titus and the other Gentile believers, Peter sat down and ate with them. They had good fellowship. He had a grand old time before certain came from James, which, by the way, they didn't really come from James. Many Bible scholars believe that they, these were those Judaizers who just claimed that they came from James. And in fact, that, is, that issue was addressed when they wrote a letter saying, hey, beware of those who claim that they come from us. That's beside the point. Pretty sure that these were Judaizers, these were law keepers who showed up and Peter saw them. But before they showed up, he ate with the Gentiles. And if he ate with the Gentiles, then it meant that he accepted them. And it meant that Jews and Gentiles, in Peter's mind, were all on the same level as one in Jesus Christ, which is true. There's no difference between the Jew and Gentile. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither Greek. There's nor barbarian nor Scythian or any or Jew or any other. We're all one in Christ. That's, that's the idea of the gospel. And so before these others showed up, Peter accepted them. They ate together. The Jew and the Gentile was on the same level as one in Christ. But Paul says after they showed up, after they arrived... Peter started acting in fear. And the Bible says here that he withdrew himself and separated himself from the Gentiles. The meaning of those words basically means this. It means he pulled away from them, and it means he set up boundaries. So here he is eating with them, and all of a sudden these Judaizers show up. All of a sudden Peter's starting to think about this. And what's this make me look like? And so on. And so he withdrew himself. He pulled back away from these that he was fellowshipping with and called his brothers. And he set up boundaries. What's he doing? He's reverting back to the old Jewish way of thinking. That Jews are better than Gentiles. Implying once again that there was a barrier 
Peter acted in fear because of pressure, peer pressure. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25 that the fear of man bringeth a snare. The fear of man bringeth a snare. It overrules what we know to be right. And we're pressured into doing wrong. And countless numbers of us have at times given in to fear or pressure because of what other people might think of us. Let me say it again. Countless numbers of us have given in to pressure or fear of what other people might think of us. Why was this such a big deal? <coughs> How do we account for Peter's fear? Why did it demand a public rebuke from Paul? Because he withstood him to the face before everybody. Well, part of the answer to some of those questions might be in the fact that we know that Peter was an impulsive man. We've covered that already. Peter was the kind of guy that he could show amazing faith and courage one minute and fail completely the next minute. Remember when, when, uh, they were, when he walked on water? Remember when Jesus was out there and all the disciples were afraid? And then they saw the Lord and Peter's like, is it really you? If it's really you, bid me come unto you. And the Lord says, okay, come on. And Peter, while the rest of them are hiding in the boat for fear of whatever it is, he jumps out of the ship and he starts walking on water. That's amazing. But what happened the next minute? He showed amazing faith by walking on water. And then the very next minute, he started looking at the circumstances and he began to sink. He was the kind of guy that could show amazing faith and courage in one minute and fail completely the next minute. When he became fearful, he sank. He boasted that he would willingly die with the Lord. But then he denied the Lord three times. When we see Peter in the book of Acts, we see a different guy, and we certainly see that he is more consistent uh, throughout the book of Acts than he is in the four Gospels. But the fact of the matter is that Peter wasn't a perfect man. He wasn't perfect at doing what was right, and neither are we. Peter's fear led to his compromise in the moment. But why was this such a big issue at the moment? And why did Paul confront it the way that he did? Here's the reason why. Because what Peter was doing made him to be a hypocrite. Look at verse 13. The Bible says that in verse 12 that he feared them that were of the circumcision and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Notice that word dissembled there in verse 13. It means to hide under a false appearance. In other words, Peter was hiding behind a false appearance. Other of the Jews dissembled likewise with him. 
What this is saying is that Peter pretended that his actions were motivated by some sort of faithfulness when in reality he was motivated by fear. You notice that? And let me make this application. It's very easy to use the Bible as a club or to use position to abuse and to manipulate people just to try to make a point or to try to get a jab in to somebody. It's very easy to take the Bible and use it in a way that it's not intended to be used or to use our position to manipulate people or to emotionally manipulate people. Listen, just this week, just this week I was hearing of a situation where pastoral authority was being used as a smokescreen so as to not have to be responsible or accountable for his own actions. And using the Bible as his smokescreen or his club or his scapegoat. And it just grieved me deeply to hear what was going on and to understand the situation and to realize that, listen, people, people change. People, can't, people sometimes don't stay the same. And especially, especially when we're overconfident in ourselves. What Peter was doing, and Peter was reputable. Peter was a preacher of the gospel, but what he was doing made him out to be a hypocrite. And the problem with that wasn't that it just stayed with him. The problem was that his influence led others to go astray as well. Notice what it says in verse 13. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Even Barnabas was involved. Who was Barnabas? Barnabas had been one of the spiritual leaders of the, of the church in Antioch. He was part of Paul's missionary journey. He was sent out of that church. What kind of influence did Barnabas have in the church? His compromise could have had a tremendous influence on others in the church. And so suppose that Paul hadn't been there. Suppose uh, what might have happened uh, to, to lead that church into legalism if, if Peter and Barnabas were carried away and it completely changed the face of that church. Would Antioch, would they have continued to be the great missionary church that they were? The great missionary church that sent out Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13? Or would they instead begin sending out missionaries of the circumcision party, preaching a false gospel? Think about the impact in eternity that that would have. So you can see the problem here isn't just a matter of personality. It isn't just a matter of party, who they belong to. It was a question of the truth of the gospel. And Paul was prepared to fight for it because it was more important than somebody else's reputation or name. And it teaches us that we need to ask, listen, 
It teaches us that we need to ask the Lord to help us develop some concrete convictions ourselves that are shaped from the Word of God, no matter what the conditions are. And if we don't, we could easily compromise. Otherwise, the conditions will shape our actions, which then could be contrary to the Word of God. You notice that? The condition changed for Peter. When it was just the Gentiles, he ate with them. But man, when the condition changed and these of reputation showed up, all of a sudden his actions changed. Let's ask the Lord to help us to develop some strong, concrete convictions ourselves. Amen? Amen. That no matter what the condition is, we're not going to move or change from the Word of God. Well, then lastly, notice here, and I'll, I'll be brief with this, notice Paul's public rebuke. So we saw Peter's problems, but then we see Paul's public rebuke. In verse 11, when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Verse 14, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? What I see here in Paul's public rebuke is, is actually Paul being a faithful pastor. Paul was one of the pastors of the church at Antioch, and he was acting as a good under-shepherd because he's protecting the flock at the same time as he's defending the gospel. And a faithful pastor will not allow mistreatment or false doctrine to come and harm the flock. And Paul is pointing out here to Peter and to everybody else, Peter's inconsistency. Paul was motivated by Peter's behavior and the effect that that behavior could have on the brethren. And so Paul publicly pointed out his inconsistency for the sake of the gospel. What did he say? Well, he says, when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, he wasn't consistent with it. I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? So as a Jew, Paul says, Peter, you're a Jew. And you're living after the manner of Gentile Christians when you're with them. But when you're under pressure, you change. And in essence, what Paul is saying, you're a Jew, and yet you've been living like the Gentiles, and now all of a sudden, under pressure, you want the Gentiles to start living like the Jews. What kind of inconsistency is that? Well, Peter himself had stated at the Jerusalem conference that God had put no difference between the Gentile and the Jew. He said that with his own mouth. In Acts 15, 8, he said, And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we are able to bear. And we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they. Those were Peter's words. 
Now, Peter's making that distinction again under pressure and fear and forcing the Gentiles to adopt Jewish ways. And so Paul asked Peter, if you can eat with the Gentiles and you're a Jew, why then do the Gentiles have to now be compelled to become Jews? doesn't make any sense, Peter. And Paul was publicly pointing this out to Peter so that both the Jew and the Gentile could clearly see the inconsistency with the truth of the gospel. So, once again, Paul is again earnestly contending for and defending the true gospel of Jesus Christ. The doctrine that was at stake in this situation was the doctrine of justification before God by faith. And Paul's going to go on in these last verses here. He's going to go on and confirm the gospel, and he's going to establish the relationship of law and grace very clearly. But here's the last point as I close. Paul was alone in his resistance to that which was false. There was nobody else standing up and defending the gospel. And the truth is, there are many times as born-again believers, maybe as a New Testament church, whatever your situation, whatever my situation, there's going to be many times when we seemingly have to stand alone. I remember Elijah on Mount Carmel the lone prophet against the 400 prophets of Baal. He stood alone, but he really wasn't alone. The Lord was with him. Amen? And may we have the same kind of conviction about us that no matter what the condition, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, I'm going to stand and I'm not going to move by the grace of God. I'm not going to compromise. Because the cost of compromise is always always high. Had Paul given in to the pressure, they would have believed another gospel, which is not another. And that would have had impacts throughout eternity in the lives of other people. But you know, when we come to a, pla a place in our own life where we start to let down or we start to make a compromise here and there, it's not going to affect just us. It's going to affect our children. It's going to affect our families. And the cost of compromise is always, always a higher price than we want to pay. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that you'd use these truths tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to stand strong, to know what we believe and why, to defend the truth, to live by it, to be consistent with it, and Lord, in the areas where we're weak, in the areas where we fail, Lord, to ask for your grace and your help. And we know, Lord, that you did that with Peter as well. Jesus said, I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, when you're turned around, you can strengthen the brethren. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have strong convictions that we never waver from. Lord, I pray that you bless your people. 
Thank you for the time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.